Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza. And the Mets lead. Three to two. Martolo has done it. The impossible has happened. This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, Mets fans of all ages, here is your host, Nick. Hello, Mets fans. Welcome back to another edition of Believe in the Mets right here on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Nick Durst, and we are in the midst of the World Series. And just like the Mets drew it up, Max Scherzer was on the mound for his World Series start, right? Now, he was gone off to the Rangers and... You know, in the offseason, when Jacob deGrom signed with the Rangers and he had that press conference and he was talking about they really sold them on the vision, the vision of winning and the vision of being the World Series. And we all thought he was just covering up for saying got a lot of money. But I guess there really was a vision there. And with the Mets this past season, it was more trick than treat. So we're going to have to decide now what's going to happen in this offseason. Should we believe? Max Scherzer, or he said that a conversation he had with Billy Epler and Steve Cohen that it wasn't about 2024, or will we be given a treat and maybe the Mets go for it here? So to help me discuss this and see where we think the Mets are going to go in this offseason, longtime baseball columnist, you could see him occasionally on LB Network and you could see him all the time on SNY. He is John Harper, John Welcome to the program. So excited to have you here. My question for you here is, really, what's the backup plan, if not Shohei Otani? Because the Mets, they really need to improve that DH spot. And there's options, if not Otani. I think the one option they cannot do, though, is just kind of roll it back with the same offense, even if they are going to say, we'll take a step back in 2024. I don't think you could go into the season with that same putrid offense that we saw in the wild card series against the, the Padres, which carried into the regular season and all season last year. So do you think number one, the Mets will be in it on Otani? And number two, do you think they have some sort of a clear plan going into this offseason as to what they want to do with the DH spot if they can't allure Shohei Otani to Queens? Yeah. First, hi Nick, how are you? Thanks for having me. And uh yeah, I, I, I mean, the Otani thing is fascinating. I still think uh, no matter what they talked about to make him take it a step back, I think if he's out there, I think Cohen goes for him. You know, we, he talked about being opportunistic in his spending. Well, this is a chance. He, you know, he, we, he's famously a art collector of the high-priced art, and this guy, I, I think I've written, this is the Mona Lisa of, uh, <laughs> of uh, baseball players right now. So I think he would make the highest offer, but – it does sound like the Dodgers are going to be all over him as well, especially I think that, uh, you know, losing early in the playoffs to the Diamondbacks, I think even ramps that up another notch. They need to make a big splash. They didn't spend much last year. Everybody thinks that was the anticipation of Otani. So if he does prefer the West Coast, I think that, that could be the issue. If he wants to come East, I think Steve Cohen will make every effort to, to get him. And I think in some ways I thought with the, the, show, the, uh, the elbow injury might actually help the Mets because – to me, 
they need him more offensively. They're going to have to get pitching. I know they need pitching, but you put him in that lineup and behind Delonzo in front of Delonzo, wherever that big left-handed power bat, you know, plus the speed, he's a dynamic offensive player. I think it just changes the whole, that whole lineup uh, completely turns them into, I think a championship type lineup. Uh, so it's to me, if you're Cohen, it'd be worth spending on him just for the bat and then hope that the, the pitching comes along down the line. So uh, if they, if you, if you don't do that, I don't think there's, there's not an obvious DH out there. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess if, uh, if Otani does something with the Dodgers, maybe you could get JD Martinez to come. I think he prefers LA too. Uh, he's got ties out there. But uh, other than that, I've been saying, you know, instead of trying to pigeonhole somebody into a DH role, you know what, go out and get the next best bat. And that's, that's Cody Bellinger, you know, go get Cody Bellinger and then figure it out from there. I mean, that's, this guy's a great player. I think that the numbers he put up last year weren't, weren't flukish. You know, he had a couple of bad years, but I think it was a result of that shoulder injury. We all saw him with the famous high five in the world. I think it was the world series. And so I, you know, you can play him in center field. You can play him in first base. You can move, you can play him anywhere in the outfield really. So you can move maybe Nimmo around a little bit. You can use Alonzo as a DH at times. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility uh, in terms of using that DH spot. And then you're not locked into one, one or even two guys. I mean, to me, you got to get a big bat. As you said, that offense, it's just not good enough. You know, I mean, I know some guys had some down years, but it's just not good enough. We saw it. Even uh, at the end of, as you said, at the end of 2022, uh, I don't think they hit good pitching. You, you, you need more power. You need a big bat. So to me, Bellinger's the next best thing to Otani. I would try and go get him. Yeah, I think Bellinger would be a great fit with the Mets, regardless of whether they are in on Otani or not, because they need another outfielder unless they are just dead set on maybe McNeil is going to be locked in a left field. Who knows? Marte, he missed much of last year. So you need another outfielder, no matter what, I think. I think DJ Stewart will be on the roster, but who knows? You know, you can't really count on him much there. And looking around, it's really a lot of infielders on this roster that yeah. really don't have many many spots between Vientos and Beatty and Mauricio. And you could throw in McNeil there. There's not enough positions for all the guys. McNeil, we know, is going to play. He had a rough season, but he ended up with the highest batting average on the team. And I think Mauricio, who probably should have been up much earlier in this season, he probably earned his spot to be a starter next year. So then you're also looking at Brett Beatty, who you have to figure they're probably going to give a chance to start next year. So that really comes back to the DH spot or the outfielder spot of where you're going to improve this offense. It's got to be either in the outfield or at DH uh, because Marte. He's going to be back, I think. I don't see any team that's going to be jumping for him this offseason. I, I know Cohen would probably spend the money to, to trade him off, but is anybody really going to say, even if you're paying Marte's contract, we'll take him for three more years? I don't think yeah. so. And I think they really missed him this season, John. They missed his yeah. dynamics uh, defensively, of course, and obviously his base stealing would have been better this year. And he just wasn't himself. And maybe he doesn't bounce back, but that outfield – is going to need some work beyond beyond Nimmo. Yeah, I think you got to do something there. I mean, it is going to be interesting to see what they do with these young guys. I don't think, I mean, you know, they didn't get the answers they were looking for last year. In the case of Beatty specifically, he was disappointing. And uh, Vientos as well, he started to come on late, didn't get it. 
you know, enough regular at bats to make any kind of real judgment on him. But there's a lot of questions about whether he's going to make enough contact. He hits the ball hard. We've seen that. Even Mauricio, uh, I mean, he made a really good impression. But you did st- start to see the more time he played, he right. started to see him chase a little bit more and more. Pitchers are getting him to chase. So that's been the, the rap on him. And he is a bad ball hitter, so we know he can he can hit the ball out of the strike zone. But, you know, is he going to be able to be dis- disciplined enough to uh, to hit it at, at, for a high average at the big league level? I think there's still more to, to determine there as well. So a lot of questions on those guys. And as you, what are you going to – are you going to play him at second? Are you going to play him at third? Are you going to do with McNeil? I mean, there's a lot of ways, different ways to attack this. But you're right. They do have to – they do they can't – I don't think you can go into the season counting – on Marte, you hope he comes back. You would think a second year removed from that uh, double hernia surgery or whatever that core surgery he had, that should make a difference. But a lot of questions. I'll tell you, <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Tommy Pham. You know, the way he, he's hitting the ball in the postseason and all these comments he's made about the Mets didn't work hard enough. We'll bring him back and make him the leader of this team because I do think, I think there was something there. I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, and and I don't mind him saying it because he apparently he told these guys face to face some of these guys firsthand. So uh, I do think that's a little bit of an issue with this team. They need stronger leadership. Uh, and you know, Fam, I don't think it was a fluke what he did this year because he, you know, he had that eye problem and he figured that out in terms of getting new, a new prescription with his contact lenses or whatever. And so he hits the ball hard. We saw that. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. Uh, something like that. It can't be the only thing you do. That's kind of almost like a secondary move, but uh, you do need to find ways to work. And I just think the problem is there's just it's, it's so much. It's unsettled as far as these young guys still. Right. And the other thing that you have to really are going to consider is, is Vientos going to be on this roster? And if so, how do you get him playing time? Yeah. Is he going? Because they did not play him much this year. I guess by default at this point, he would be on the roster because Mark Hatton is not here. So you do need a backup first baseman so unless they go out and sign Reese Hoskins, which I know has been floated around. Maybe the Mets take a, give him a one-year deal, put him at the or DH spot. Yeah, Bellinger would be great too, but they need to get somebody there. To, as that yeah. has, They need some flexibility at, at first base. Uh, Vientos, though, obviously is not a great defender. Vogelback, we know, does not – even own a glove anymore. He's just uh, he gets up he there. Can't be, he can't be on the Mets next year. He just so can't. I got the option for him, but I think I think that he was an he was an Epler guy. I mean, you were all over it with the with that story as well, where you know Epler was telling Buck, you have to play Vogelback. I mean, you were saying this during the season. It's it can't be Buck making this decision. It's got to be coming from above. And yeah, yeah all those trades for uh, by Epler were just really rough, like Darren oh. and. Yeah, that's nothing really worked out with the, with the trades there. So we'll see what Stearns ends up doing here. And before we talk about Stearns, I want to talk about the Steve Cohen effect. I know you're in in touch with agents and whatnot and players throughout the league. Do you think that we're at the we're in the third off season now or the fourth off season with Cohen now with the Mets that are these high profile free agents? The first thing they're telling their agent is, "Hey, why don't you call Steve Cohen?" And let's see if we can get the, the numbers up. And how do you think that's going to change now? We saw it last year where Boris was going directly with Cohen. How do you think that's going to change now that David Stearns is in the mix? Are those agents still going to be free to call Cohen? Or is it going to be like, he's going to be like, just talk to David? Well, Boris will. We know that. <laughs> but I, I think for the most part, you know, Cohen will stay out of it. He Stearns will handle that stuff. 
but there's no doubt if Boris and he, he has a reputation for this. If he's not getting what he, he's not hearing what liking what he's hearing from the GM, he will go to the owners, uh, to the owner of any team. And and you know he did have that thing with Cohen last year. Correa almost worked. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, and and that may be what it takes to get a deal done with Alonzo. Who knows the way this thing is shaping up? But I, I do think Stearns will he'll be much more you know, handling all that stuff. I mean, I, not that Epler wasn't, but I think uh, Cohen might've been a little more willing to step in. He's wanted Stearns for years. He, I think he feels like he is the guy. He can be really comfortable letting him make the decisions. You know, I mean, obviously Cohen's going to be involved in everything, but I wouldn't think that he'll be doing dealing directly with, with agents unless, you know, you get to a point where, uh, you know, he has to really step in and make a call where they can't get it settled with Stearns or whatever. But uh I think it's going to be really interesting because, uh, you know, I mean, we haven't seen Stearns operate with a big budget. We've only seen him operate in Milwaukee with a, with a small budget. And he, he, he was, he was, you know, he did a lot of trades. He was pitching oriented there, did a nice job in drafting and developing pitching. Uh, you know, he, he's all, he brought that pitching lab from Houston where he worked to Milwaukee and it's no coincidence. The Mets installed the pitching lab last summer. I think that, you know, they, they knew Stearns they was coming along together. So it's going to be really fascinating to see what he does, uh, what Stearns does. But I think uh, I think he'll be making the calls. And I do think, as much as we've talked about offense already, I think pitching has got to be the priority. Yeah, so the pitching, of course, I think Stearns is primed to make a trade this offseason. I think he's going – because if, if we're hearing correctly, if we could trust that, they're not going to go crazy on the money. Maybe they have the money for one or two key players. Let's talk about that. They're going to make a trade because right now you have Senga, you have Quintana, and you have a bunch of question marks on the rotation. You can get, you can maybe get by with having Peterson, McGill, or Lucchese in the rotation, one of them. You can't go with yeah. two of them or three yeah. of them, most likely. Right. You need that depth anyway. So I'm looking at the, the rosters here. The Mets at the trade deadline, they brought in four shortstops. They already have a shortstop. And they, so they have, they brought in a lot of position players and outfielders. They don't have a lot of pitching depth. So at some point, you would think these position players are pieces to be traded for quality starting pitchers. Some of the pitchers that I anticipate being on the move this offseason, I think definitely Corbin Burns is going to get moved after their big arbitration battle last year. Well, He's going to be going though. to the agency. You don't think so? Let me jump in quick there just yeah. because I've been writing the same, the same line of thinking you're talking about. But, you know, I think the Woodruff injury really kind of puts a – kind of a crimp in that plan because I was saying there's no way the Brewers are going to bring both of those guys back. They're going to trade one of them for sure. They're both headed for free agency after next year, but it would, with Woodruff out, I don't know. Would they trade Burns if he's, uh, if he's there only, I mean, I think they're going to, right. Brewers are going to still try to contend. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that, but I like the way you're thinking for sure. So I also think with. that there will be some sour grapes there and that the Brewers will not trade with the Mets this offseason. So I think, yeah. I think unless they're like, you know, so, so blown away with the package, but I think the two guys that the Mets might, you know, hone in on the trade market wise one, I think Shane Bieber is going to get dealt, and the Mets have a history of trading with the Guardians. And the other guy, which I think has even higher upside, but there's also more risk, would be Glass now with the Rays. Yeah. I think he'll get yeah. traded. Those are two guys that I think are going to be on the move, and I anticipate that the Mets will at least pick up the phone. Are there any other pitchers you think that the Mets might be looking at, or do you think they're not going to maybe go for a high-level type of starter in a trade? They might acquire that Chris Bassett type of piece that they did a few years ago. 
Yeah, well, I think it makes sense what you're talking about. I've written about this as well. You know, they do have a lot of these pieces they picked up, these prospects in these trades. They're similar type, you know, middle of the infield, center field possibilities. You're not all going to play, you know, and I think you need to get creative and maybe trade one of them, trade one of them while their stock is as high as it is now. Uh, I made one or two of them even. So, yeah, I, I do think the guys you mentioned are obviously a year from free agency on small market teams. That's the kind of the classic model for for a trade. Glass now is really interesting because his stuff is he's got lights out stuff, but he's kind of inconsistent. And he's also, as you said, injury prone. Beavers had an in, injury uh, arm injuries as well. One guy it's interesting to me, and I've had people mention him to me a couple times, is uh, is Mitch Keller from the Pirates. He's two years away from free agency, but there's some thought that the Pirates would move him now, thinking that they can get the most in return. He had kind of an up and down year, really good first half, not as good second year, second half. But scouts seem to think he's kind of been worn down, maybe a little bit, being in a losing environment by the Pirates. He's got good stuff. Uh, he's a guy, but those are the type of guys that I do think you know that you know, Stearns will zero in on, and maybe, maybe he finds more of a diamond in the rough somewhere, but they do need that's. And to me, that's even got to be the secondary move. I think you got to go get the, you know, this Japanese guy, Yamamoto. And I know recently there's some stuff come out. He hasn't been a great postseason pitcher, but I think you got to take that a little bit of a grain of salt. He's been so good for three or four years in the post in the regular season. Uh, and he's only 25 years old. That's the appeal. And you don't have a, there's no draft pick attached or anything like that. I know a lot of teams are going to be in on him, but I think, again, this is where Cohen's money can make a difference. And maybe the Senga connection, maybe that helps as well. But to me, you got to get him and then, then make one of those trades. Now you're in a position where you got a rotation that can compete for, uh, you know, it's postseason at the very yeah. least. I agree with you, John. That was going to be our next topic here, Yamamoto, because I think if you get Yamamoto with Senga, you have Quintana, you get make one of those trades, and you can get by then with the Lucchese or a Peterson okay. or a Miguel, and that's a pretty solid starting rotation. Maybe Vassal comes along at some point. Right. Yeah. Vassal's right there. I'm sure he'll be make his debut at some point uh, because there's going to be injuries, obviously. Now, with Yamamoto and Senga, I think this, this would be maybe one of the, if not the best one-two in baseball. Senga... Everyone thought he was going to be good. He was sensational. One of the best ERAs in the in the league. High strikeouts. And the way I kind of think about it with these Japanese pitchers now, going back to Darvish and Tanaka, take with their ERA, whatever it is in Japan, you could usually add one full run to it. And that's where it is. That's what happened with Senga. He was like 1.97. He ended up 2.97. You take Yamoto, you're adding a one ERA. His ERA is going to be like 2.30, yeah. which would yeah. be one of the best, if well, they'll be the best in baseball right there. So I think the Mets, as you mentioned, this is where Cohen is going to be able to flex. I think he's going to get a record deal coming over from Japan. He might get 200 million for, for eight years. And that's a lot of money. But if, mm -hmm. if he's only 25, yeah, a good investment because the Senga deal looks like the biggest heist in a long time coming over from Japan. Yeah. I was five for 75. That turns out to be a great deal. And I think the one thing about Senga, we found out he's a tough minded uh, guy on the mound. You know, he, he fought through some stuff. He had control issues early in the year, but even in starts when he would uh, get in trouble early in games, he would fight through it. Uh, and you saw that more and more. And he, he adjusted to, you know, the, the size of the ball, the environment pitching in, in, in weather that he probably never pitched in in Japan. Um, so yeah, that, I think that is the one, 
kind of maybe the X factor that you're never sure about when you bring a guy over from Japan because they do have to deal with a lot of stuff like that that they haven't dealt with before. Some guys are going to handle it uh, better than others, so you need to see that. Uh, $200 million is an awful lot for Yamamoto, but the age really does – that works in his favor. And um, people – the scouts seem to think he's a more well-rounded pitcher than Senga for sure. Uh, but again, a lot of it, you know, it's, it's, you got to have that mentality to be able to adjust to things. So, but they do, you put those two now at the top of the rotation and that, that that's really good. So, uh, and then you, you add in one of those guys, maybe that we talked about, you could trade for, and all of a sudden you, you do, you have a rotation compete with anybody. And so I think, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see is if Cohen, Cohen's going to do that because it seems like there's a lot of teams going to be going after Yamamoto. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be in on him. So he'll have his choice of where he wants to go. I think it, it can't hurt that Sangus here. So yeah, I think, I'm sure so, I'm, I would think so. And I think this cannot, this could also work out even more so with Otani because if, if for some reason you're able to get him, the Otani needs a six man rotation anyway. And yeah. Sang is used to the six man. Yamamoto is going to be used to the six man. So you could set that up in the future to go with the six man just to keep everybody fresh. And we saw Senga adjusted towards the end of the year, but early on when they were keeping him on that once a week schedule, he was really electric and that yeah. would solve a lot of issues with the, with the rotation. But the the other issue is definitely going to be the bullpen, John, yeah. where yeah. yes, they have all these, these, these optionable arms and we could bring back Tommy Hunter and resurrect his, him every million times, but it just doesn't work out. I thought going into last season, even with the addition of Robertson and Diaz still being there, that they were still a, a dynamic mm -hmm. arm short. And yeah. I'm curious to hear what you think, what you've heard as far as the Mets with the bullpen. Do they are they maybe learning from their mistakes here and saying maybe we need to get some sort of established arm uh, to really build out the bullpen here? Because Drew Smith, I think he can be good, but I don't think he's the seventh inning guy anymore. I think he needs to go to more relief. You you harp on it all the time. This guy is a great fastball, but he's yeah. always hanging the, the breaking ball, and it's going over the yeah. fence all the time. He's pointing like Hansel Robles as the ball goes out of the ballpark. <laughs> they need to get uh, they need to get get somebody here that's you know going to be reliable. Maybe we shouldn't rule out a David Robertson. I'm sure he wasn't happy about being traded, but we know he loves being in New York. He didn't want to leave in the first place. So I want to. I still want to see Robertson hand the ball over to Diaz, like we thought we were going to say. What do you think this bullpen could potentially look like heading into next season? I, I like that idea of Robertson. Why not? I mean, I know you know what he uh, he obviously didn't pitch well in Miami when he first got there. But I looked up his numbers at the end of the year, and he had a good finish. He, I think, I think like out of his last eleven appearances, he only gave up one run or something. So uh, I think he's still legit, you know. And and you know, he, you do you do you want to see him set up? be the setup guy he was supposed to be. But they do. You're right. They have to do a much better job of filling out that that bullpen with some veteran proven arms. You know, Billy Epler. That was his biggest failing, I thought, last year. Was he took that chance? He wanted option optionable. <laughs> I'm using the quotes here. Optionable relievers that they could send up and down. And I understand that because it's that, the, the way the game is now, you use so many of these guys, you can't you can't wear them out. But you, you, I think they got to get proven guys. They also have to find some arms in their system, uh, and that's what all, all these teams do. I, we, we talked about this on Baseball Night in New York uh, last week, um, you know, kind of posing the question of who is the Mets' Kevin Genkel? I think that's his name, right? The Diamondbacks yeah, guy who's been 
he's been lights out in the postseason. He had a really good year. He's and he came with it from their system. You got to have some young power arms in your system that maybe maybe you can start them in the pen and eventually they become starters. But I think you have to get that from your own system. You can't bring everybody in from the outside uh, and expect that to be the way. You need young arms, power arms that you're going to develop. And uh, you know the Mets have some arms. They don't really have those bit real big arms, but they have some guys that you would think maybe could be help in the in the bullpen and eventually become starters this year. I think that needs to happen. I, you're right about Drew Smith. It's hard to trust him. As good as that fastball is, I mean, he's just he's so prone to those making those mistake pitches. I wouldn't throw him away because they don't have enough of those type arms. Right. You don't want him to be the next to... Paul Seawald. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. But he does need to be a low leverage guy. At least that's how you have to, have to go into the year thinking. But, yeah, you, you need guys like that because some of them do turn into Paul Seawald. So uh, they need to find – and that's been the biggest uh, problem with this uh, this, door, this farm system. They haven't had enough of their arms come out of there to help the ma- major league team. So, But the, but whatever you do, you got to go out and, and get some proven arms as well. That that was a major problem last year. And it, it was it – was ex- exacerbated not exasperated exacerbated by the problems in the starting rotation early in the year those guys were going four and five innings at the most and that was causing that bullpen to really be exposed but uh you got to go in thinking that way you can't have enough you know we always talk about you can't have enough starters we in this day and age obviously you can't have enough relievers you got to spend money on that bullpen uh if you're going to be good absolutely so the only pitching prospect that Obviously, Vasquez come along, but the highest pitching prospect is Blade Tidwell, and yeah. he's probably at least two years away. So, again, it comes down to they're gonna have to make make some trades somehow, some way. I can't see any scenario where you have Lindor, Acuna, and Jet Williams and Mauricio all on the same roster at the majors. So, make those moves. I know a lot of people are saying, Ash, okay, now it's time to trade Kevin Parada. I don't know if I'd be so quick to do that because. It's really important to have a quality backup in, in the majors. And you saw the Mets do it like twice last year when they actually DH'd Alvarez. And he was actually really good in those games. So keep Prada for now. And the Mets here, I think they'll be active on the trade market. Uh, free agency, I think they'll definitely go for Yamamoto. I think, like you said, Cohen's going to flex his power there. They'll go for Otani. And... It's just going to be a matter of do they are they going to go all in in 2024? If not, then it's going to be about 2025. And I think at that point, if they don't get Otani, I would anticipate, John, that the Mets would then be in on Juan Soto. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's the other guy, the, the, the big looming presence out there. Uh, if, especially, yeah, if you don't get Otani, you got to think their attention turns to Soto. And that's you just, you kind of, if you're the Mets, you can't, because I don't think you know, they're trying to develop this farm system. We've talked about this on TV as well. I wouldn't give up, you know, top prospects for him when you know he's going to be a free agent a year from now, this way you can have the best of both worlds. And you expect by 25, at least a couple of these prospects are going to have a major impact. Maybe this jet Williams. He looks like he could be really, really fun guy to play, to watch play. Um, But then the only issue you have is if a team like maybe the Yankees or some other big market team makes the trade for Soto this this winter and finds a way to extend him before he gets to free agency. I, I don't think that's likely because he's a Boris guy. We know Boris guys, they go to free agency, but it is a factor. You, you, if you're the Mets, you have to can be concerned about, but I think if he does go to free agency and you don't have Otani, then yeah, 
that's where you throw all the money. That's where Cohen, you know, maybe they don't go all in in 2024, but if he's out there, you got to go get him because he does the same thing for that lineup, basically, that Otani would do. Maybe not quite the power, but he's such a great on-base guy, you know, and, he, and he's just – we know he's a great hitter. We've seen him perform in October as well. Um, that's got to be the move if they if it gets to that point. Yeah, I think at that point, if they're going to hang on to these prospects, that's kind of the timeline of when we're anticipating them to be to the majors, especially Gilbert, the big acquisition in the outfield there, and the Verlander trade. He's anticipated he could maybe make a debut this year, but 2025, they're saying for him. Acuna yeah. is apparently going to play some outfield this year, maybe Joe Williams. So that would line up pretty well. But, you know, these guys, they could come up and they could hit like Brett Beatty or hit like Mark Vientos. So there's yeah. really no guarantees. If you can go yeah. get that established guaranteed guy, I think that's the way you should go about it. And that's the way that the Mets can ultimately win now and win later. Uh, John, we thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Let everybody know where they could find you and see your work and, and read your upcoming articles. Yeah, I'm uh, still doing the TV stuff on SNY and doing uh, writing for their website, sny.tv uh, on Twitter somewhere. Uh, what is it? NYNJ.com. I don't even know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm still out there. We haven't, it's been kind of a quiet off season so far because obviously the postseason's still going on and the Mets and Yankees aren't in there, but uh, uh, things are going to pick up. So yeah, uh, I'll, be, I'll be doing a lot of uh, writing and talking in the next, uh, I'm sure the next six, eight weeks or so. Yeah, I think within the next few days, I'm sure the Mets will have a manager within the conclusion of the World Series, I would think. You know, we think we'll so. See. I mean, all of the signs are pointing to the council, that's for sure. And I think that's the right way to go. Yeah, he's officially allowed to sign elsewhere on November 1st. So it's coming if, if, if they could give him the money and he wants it. But if not, then we'll see what the first time after is going to be. That could be uh, quite, quite another eventful Mickey Calloway, Lee Rojas situation. So we'll see. That's, that's a discussion for another day. John, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Believe in the Mets, B-L-E-I-V-I-N-T-H-M-E-T-S. I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst. I am on Instagram at Nick's Food and Stuff. And until next time, everybody, hope for the best and let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.